So earlier today, we looked at the, the return of Christ, you know, the second coming of Christ. And with that, we saw that that was a time of judgment. And for this video, what I want us to do is I want us to take a look at the book of Revelation. And I want us to see how judgment is described there, because we're going to see judgment at several different times in this book. In fact, there's, there's a lot more times that God's judgment shows up than just the few passages that we're going to look at in this lesson. But I do want to remind you of a few things about the book of Revelation. You know, many times whenever we think about reading it, it's just kind of a little confusing to us because of all these, these weird uh, stars and dragons and angels and all of these things that are all wrapped up together in this weird book that many times kind of reads a little bit more like a, a sci-fi novel than what we think about as the scriptures. But I want to remind you, the book of Revelation was written with a certain type of style within it. It was a way that, that John is seeing these visions and telling us what he saw. So we're going to see judgment, but we're going to see judgment that takes place throughout these, these different symbols. And I think that a good way for us to think about Revelation, um, oftentimes I kind of compare it to the parables that the parables that Jesus spoke of, you know, they're, they're all these different images that are used. All of them represent something, but it's not necessarily the exact thing that, that it is. You know, if he talks about a tree, he's not necessarily talking about a physical tree. You know, he's probably talking about something else. So when we read about these things in Revelation, we, we need to understand these symbols that are being used. And I like to compare that with the parables. But also another way that maybe kind of makes sense to you as well is think about it kind of like poetry or, or even the songs that we sing. Because sometimes in the songs that we sing, whether those be religious songs or otherwise, sometimes things are stated that aren't exactly the way that it is, but they all represent something very real. See, I don't want us to, to miss out on that. I don't want us to just think that, that Revelation is just full of all these symbols and then forget those symbols point to a reality. There's something very real going on here. And I want us to get to the heart of that and see this judgment that's being described in the book of Revelation. So I want us to take a look at a few different snapshots throughout this book, and I want us to see God's judgment that takes place. Now, many times, you know, people uh, think about the judgment of God as being something kind of scary and, and something that, uh, that, that people aren't really longing for. But yet, what we actually find in the book of Revelation is something a little different than that. For example, in Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, now, these are not people who are alive here on the earth, but these are people who at one point were alive here on this earth and are no longer uh, on this earth any, anymore. So Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar 
the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. So one of these seals that is that is opened up in the book of Revelation and that Jesus kind of reveals to John and John tells us about is this image about these souls that are under this altar, these souls that are that are with God, but they're crying out and they're asking this question, how long? And they say also sovereign Lord. They recognize that it's it's ultimately the Lord's doing. It's not theirs, but how long until God is going to judge? You know, sometimes we might ask a similar type of question like that. You know, how long is God going to allow this thing or that thing to take place on the earth? And the answer that they were given here is to wait because God has this plan. He's waiting until this full number of fellow servants are going to join these other ones together. Now, we're not told exactly when that time is. We're just told that we need to submit to our sovereign Lord and allow him to, to judge whenever he sees fit. Another image that we get in the book of Revelation tells us about uh, some information on how God judges and some things we can learn about God's judgment. In Revelation chapter 14, now we're going to look at a few different things in Revelation 14, but I'm going to kind of bring it in a few different sections here at a time. So let's first look at verses 6 through 8. And notice we're thinking about this judgment and seeing the judgment scenes here. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. A second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. We, we find out a few things about God's judgment, which, by the way, I guess now is as good a time as any to mention this. Sometimes when we think of God's judgment, we think about it just as a future single event, one day that he's going to pronounce judgment. And we do see images of that here in Revelation. OK, we, we do see that. And that's part of God's judgment. But what we also see about God's judgment is that sometimes it happens right here and right now on the earth. Uh, for example, uh, just kind of take a look at almost any one of the prophets in the Old Testament, and you will find out that God's judgment took place in various times, and sometimes God would judge individual nations. So let's kind of observe some of these things here. So for starters, in verse 6, we see that God's judgment is for every nation. And in case every nation uh, wasn't a big enough term for you, we see to every nation, tribe, language, and people. God's judgment is going to take place for all of us, for each and every single one of us. We find out that there is a time in which God's judgment comes. Verse seven talks about the hour of his judgment has come. We know that there is going to be a moment whenever you can no longer just say, oh, can, you know, can I just have five more minutes? That's not how God's judgment is going to work. Whenever the hour of God's judgment has come, judgment will come upon us. And sometimes that happens right here in this life. And sometimes that's going to happen at the end of this life. We see both images and we'll, we'll continue to see a few different images of those that are taking place. 
those souls before in the, the previous uh, example, the previous passage that we looked at, they were longing for that day of that future judgment, whenever everything's going to be made right. And that's what they were longing for. This judgment is for every single nation. There's going to be a time in which uh, all uh, people everywhere are going to be judged. Another thing that we see about God's judgment is sometimes, like in verse 8, sometimes this judgment is against, you know, nations. Now, you've perhaps heard that whenever we stand before the judgment seat of God, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be judged as an individual and we're not going to be there standing with these, these other people. And, you know, maybe you've heard those, those ideas and, and to a large degree that's true, but also, um, you know, that's just talking about the final judgment day in which you yourself are going to give an account for the things that you have done. And, and we'll see that in a moment as well. But there's also another sense in which entire nations, entire groups of people are also judged for their actions. Right here, fallen, fallen is Babylon. That was part of God's judgment bringing about. Now, uh, I don't believe that he's actually talking about uh, Babylon right here, the great. What he's talking about is the world power of his day. Because nations rise and nations fall, and these things take place at the hand of God, and a lot of times it deals with the direct judgment that God is having upon the different nations. That's part of the way that God has, has uh, interacted with nations throughout time, since the beginning of time. Now what is so important for us to think about is, whose side are we on? Are we going to be on God's side or are we going to be on someone else's? Are we going to try to align ourselves with Babylon the Great? If we try that, it most certainly won't go well. And now we see this warning uh, continuing on in Revelation 14. Verses 9 through 13. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in its image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest or night for those who worship the beast or in its image, or for anyone who receives the mark of its name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. This passage talks about how it goes for us, or how it goes for someone who aligns themselves with this beast in this case. The, these opposing forces to God. What they're going to find out is that they're going to receive God's fury. They're going to receive what's happening with this, this cup of wrath in mind. These are images. These are symbols. They mean something very real, but we're not to be expecting some cup that God is going to actually pour out. It's a symbol. It is talking about this wrath of God, though, and it is talking about the need for us, as verse 12 says, to have patient endurance. We need to be the people of God. We need to make sure that we keep his commands, that we remain faithful to Jesus, and then we can find ourselves aligned with God and we don't need to fear of what his judgment might bring because we've been washed clean in the blood of Jesus. Continuing on. Now verses 14 through 16. I looked and there before me was a white cloud and seated on the cloud was one like a son of man with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came out of the temple and called in a loud voice to him who is 
sitting on the cloud. Take your sickle and reap, because the time to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who was seated on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. We see images that go back to Daniel chapter 7. Talk about the son of man who was raised up and is worshipped. Well, this son of man is talking about Jesus Christ right here. And we see that he's got this sharp sickle. And we see this idea of harvesting. This is the concept of, of, of judgment. Because, you know, just as you harvest a, a a plant, you know, or you harvest a, a whole field. I guess we should probably think about it more in, in the sense of a field. You know, whenever the time to harvest comes, you go out into the field and, and you harvest it. You bring in the good things and you take care of, of the bad things out in a field. And that's what Jesus is seen doing right here. The time to reap has come. The harvest of the earth is ripe. Now, we see images like this. And sometimes people think that this can be a scary thought, but we need to be assured of something. We need to be reminded of something, that God's judgment, it can always be trusted. In Revelation chapter 16, verses 5 through 7, this is how the judgment of God is proclaimed and how it's, how it's spoken of. Then I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, you are just in these judgments, O holy one. You who are and who were. For they have shed the blood of your holy people and of your prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. And I heard the altar respond, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Is this how we think about God's judgment? Can we recognize, just like this, this angel is stating, that God is just in his, just, in his judgment, that his um judgments, as verse 7 says, that they are true, they are just. We see that what God is about is bringing about justice on the earth. And you know, toward the end of the book of Revelation, Jesus comes and we see him as a conquering king who is riding on a white horse. This comes to us in Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. And part of this, we see the judgment of God, the judgment of Jesus Christ on the earth and on these these wicked powers verses 11 through 16 i saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true with justice he judges and wages war his eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns he has a name written on on him that no one knows but he himself he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in, in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There's no mistaking of who this rider of the white horse is. It is our King of Kings. It is our Lord of Lords. It is Jesus Christ. And this image that he comes, it's kind of an odd image because he's preparing for battle. He's coming for battle and he's riding on this white horse. He, he is definitely going to be victorious. We have no question at all about that. And we see that his robe has been dipped in blood already. It's kind of interesting. I take this to mean that that robe that's been dipped in blood is 
is none other than his own blood. That's how the battle is fought. Whenever you actually look at this war, so to speak, you know, we, we think about this war um, that, that's talked about here in Revelation. But if you look at it, it's really not much of a war. Uh, we get really no description about this fighting that takes place because that's not actually how we as, as children of God are, are called to, um, to, to uh, come and to follow Jesus. It's not to fight in some war. No, actually, Jesus himself, he's already overcome. His robe is dipped in blood, but not the blood of other people in, in that battle. His robe is dipped in his own blood. That is how he overcame. He overcame death. He conquered death. He conquered all of, uh, all of sin by dying on the cross, being buried, and he raised from the dead. We see that he comes, and he comes to, to bring about God's judgment. And, and after this war, what we actually see is that the judgment of all people, great and small, it takes place at God's throne. In Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, this is another image that we get about the judgment scene. And, and this one is, is what we see is the, the final judgment day. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had, uh, what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. This passage right here, it speaks of a time whenever all of the dead, the great and the small, you know, according to this life, according to our standards, the great and the small, everybody is going to stand before this judgment seat of God. And we are going to give an account for the things that we have done while we were, were here in this life. There's no escaping this day. This day is a day that we all must face. We all will see this day. And on that day, if we are a follower of Jesus, we can be assured that our name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. And then once sin and, and then those people who've been entangled uh, within it, once all of that is, is dealt with here, and here we, we see that description of what that looks like, God actually makes all things new. This is a wonderful hope that we can have if we follow God he will get rid of all the evil, all of the wickedness, everything that is wrong in all of creation. He will get rid of all of those things and he will make all things new. In Revelation 21, verses 5 through 8, he who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the, sexual, uh, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. This image that we see, we see it starts out in verses 5 uh, through 7, talking about this 
this wonderful inheritance that we can have, being able to be with God. And God says, I will be their God, they will be my children. That's the relationship that we can have. But we see there is a contrast to that in verse 8. We see that there are other options besides the one of following God. It most certainly will only lead to the, the second death. So right now, right here, as we, as we look at that and as we think about the final day uh, of judgment and how God pronounces judgment that's being described in the book of Revelation. There's more passages than just these, but these give us an idea of this judgment. But right now, the choice is ours as to what that day is going to be like as to whether or not it will be a day of victory for us and if we will we'll find ourselves on the Lord's side. What will God's judgment look like for, for us? You know, what will it look like for you? Uh, that's our choice. That's what we have been given uh, by the grace and the will of God. Let us now live and let's long for God's justice and for God to make all things new and all things right in all of creation. Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, before your throne I kneel in prayer. Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father, before your throne I kneel in prayer. Because I've been baptized by the blood of the Lamb, and I'm working my salvation out. I've been purchased with a price I cannot repay. salvation out. I've been purchased with a price I cannot repay. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, all through the word convict me of sin. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, all through the word convict me of sin. Because I've been baptized by the blood of the Lamb, and I'm working my salvation out. I've been purchased with a price I cannot repay. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb.